0: In today's passage the Lord Jesus is about to unmask, he's about to expose Judas Iscariot as the traitor, uh, the one who is about to betray him. It's Thursday night, Uh, they're in the upper room, the Lord Jesus is just about to initiate uh, the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, out of the Passover meal and then he's going to teach his disciples a range of important lessons the the upper room ministry of christ and by the next morning by nine o'clock in the morning he will be on the cross a whole range of events will escalate very quickly but that will be kicked off by the by the treachery of the betrayal of of judas iscariot He's just talked about the blessing of those who obey his teaching as he's washed their feet. He talks about them as his servants. He talks about him as their teacher. They are his disciples. But then he pauses and he says this in verse number 18. I'm not speaking about all of you when I talk about these things, about these blessings. There is somebody here who is going to to betray me. In fact, he had said that before when he had washed your feet. He said, but you are not all clean. And he was referring, of course, uh, to Judas. In a few moments, he's about to be identified. The spotlight is about to shine on him. And the greatest act of treachery uh, in history, the betrayal of Christ, the Son of God, is about to take place. There's just a couple of words I'd like to highlight out of the passage as we go through it. Um, I'm going to talk first of all about the idea of fulfillment, then of uncertainty, and then of the night. You'll see them uh, as we go through. So fulfillment. Christ says to them, I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but so that the scripture might be fulfilled. And he quotes Psalm uh, number 41 verse 9 and he says, He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. If you read that psalm, and if you read a parallel psalm, for instance, psalm number 55, you get the background which is a story of treachery in our Old Testament. These psalms, of course, are written by David the king, and he writes them out of a personal experience of being betrayed by his close friend, a man called Ahithophel. His trusted friend and his his chief counselor. It was said about Ahithophel that whoever went to him for advice, it was almost as if they went to the very oracles of God himself. Um, Psalm forty-one describes how they they shared food together, and now here he is lifting up his heel to crush David. Psalm fifty-five talks about how they used to take sweet communion together as they walked to the house of god well, along with the festal throng and david said you know if it had been an enemy i i could have coped with that i could have i could have borne that but it was you my friend my equal and you've dealt with me in this way as he went over to the other side the conspirators and he plotted david's downfall and plotted david's death but that background was foretelling something of, of greater significance and the Lord Jesus uses these psalms and says that this instance here, what is about now to take place on the night of the betrayal, is a fulfilment of, of what was a prophetic scripture that pointed forward to these things. And and there are other ones as well, by the way, part of this great range of prophecy from hundreds of years previously which point of course to the inspiration and the authority of our Bibles one of the other ones that you might want to check up on is in the book of Zechariah chapter 11 and at verse 12 where it says there that they weighed out for him the price that they had valued 30 pieces of silver which of course was the amount that Judas is paid for for delivering Christ into the hands of the authorities and what the Lord Jesus is saying to his disciples here is I'm telling you this now before it takes place so that your faith will not be shaken you may well be be shaken if you think that here is one of our inner circle one, one of the 12 chosen disciples and he he reacts like this and he behaves like this and you wonder about it all But I have known all along. In fact if you go back to John chapter 6 verse 70. He says to them did did not I choose you 12. And yet one of you is a devil. Or again moments later as he prays in John 17 in the upper room. He says to his father that not one of them is lost. Except the son of perdition. The son of destruction so that the scripture might be fulfilled and so in a sense he encourages them that he has known all along this is not something that has caught him by surprise Uh, this desertion this treachery this betrayal is something that, that in fact has been fulfilled in scripture and then he goes on to say this in verse 20 Truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send, receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. What he's basically saying here is he's taking them back to when they were when they were commissioned by him, when he sent them out two by two. The language here is very similar to that, and he's saying to them, despite what will happen, despite this treachery, you know, your commission still holds true. It still goes on. Despite Judas, don't be knocked off course. This does not invalidate anything. He's a hypocrite. People will look on and they will try and criticise the whole movement because of his failing. But his failure does not invalidate the importance and the reality of what you are doing so you press on and just you remember this that as you go whoever receives you is receiving me the one who sent you and whoever receives me is receiving the one who sent me that is my heavenly father remember the authority and the importance of that commission and there is a lesson isn't there in that for us it's very easy for us to be knocked off course by the failures of, of, of those who should have known better. We look to people who might be in prominent positions of leadership and who have fallen badly and yet don't allow that to knock you off track. Don't allow that to make you a cynic or sceptical. Keep pressing on. That's really the lord jesus is saying fulfill your commission despite the failures of others now what happens is this at this point the disciples look at one another and they're they're really not clear about what he's meaning Uh, they look around him verse 22 with uncertainty they don't know Who he's speaking about when he says, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. The point is this that no one immediately thought about Judas. Judas was a surprise to them. No one suspected him. No one had a clue that it was Judas who was going to be the traitor. So here is somebody that spiritually speaking is, is really a monster. Someone who, who has hardened his heart and sells out the Son of God for 30 pieces of silver, despite all the kindness and grace and compassion that has been shown to him by Christ. And yet he, he has been able to live a life as part of this small group of, of 12 disciples, uh, a life of hypocrisy. Putting on a front, saying all the right things, behaving himself in the the proper manner so that no one had any idea at all about the real self until he is exposed, until the mask is taken away here uh, by the Lord Jesus uh, Christ. I think John chapter 12 gives us a little bit of an insight into this. You remember that's the incident about Mary of Bethany anointing the feet of Christ and at that point Judas says you know this is a waste you know why she done this 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 was worth a lot of money and uh, that could have been given to the poor instead of being wasted in this way and 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 the insight is given that Judas said this not because he cared for the poor but because it was his responsibility in that small band of disciples to hold the money purse and he used to steal from it. And of course, Christ def- defended Mary on that occasion, told them to be quiet, you know, because she's done a beautiful thing. And it's at that point, after Christ says that to him, that he goes to the priests and he makes this arrangement that for 30 pieces of silver, he will deliver Christ into their hand, he will betray Christ. Now what a warning this is uh, for all of us who listen to the gospel of Christ. It's not just how we present ourselves on the surface. It's not the things that we say, the way we conduct ourselves, really. It's, it's the heart of that matters. It's what is in our heart, our love for Christ, our value system, and whether our life has been changed from the inside out, whether the fruit of the Spirit of God is now being seen in our life. Things like love and and joy and peace and long-suffering and temperance and self-control. All of these things that are the proof of a life that has been changed. Judas Iscariot was all about presentation until this point and, and nobody had any clue about the reality of it. Now at this point Peter motions to, to John. John of course is not mentioned by name but he's described here as one of the disciples whom Jesus loved who was reclining at, uh, on Jesus or who was reclining in the bosom of Christ and he, and he indicates to him who who is this? Who, who is he talking about uh, as far as this is concerned? Now what Jesus says is that it's the person that I'm going to offer a morsel of food to. Now this seems to have been missed, you know, because of course he does it to Judas. He t- this was the context; it was the culture of the day that whoever was hosting a meal and uh, had invited perhaps an honoured guest who had the special place that was near him at the table uh, would uh, give a, a special piece of the food that was in the bowl. To that guest as a mark of his friendship, and he and he says it's the person that I give this this morsel of food to, and he gives it to to Judas, and but nobody seems to pick up even on this, even when Jesus says what you're about to do, do it quickly, and they and they think that he's going out to give something to the poor or to or to buy something, and it it, it, it escapes them. It's interesting to see the contrast be, between Judas and John the disciple that Jesus loved not that he loved him more than anyone else but that John seemed to have an awareness and an appreciation of the love of Christ and this picture of intimacy uh, and of nearness when he reclines in the bosom of Christ that is the picture of a genuine disciple in contrast to what we have with Judas so at this point it says in verse number 22 ...that Satan enters into him. What a chilling statement that is. It says that he goes out and it is it's night. Now that was the case actually. It was it was night time. Uh, it was in the evening. But there's a symbolic side to that as well. Because in a gospel that is so full of the analogy of, of light and darkness... ...as far as Judas was concerned the blackness of hell descended upon his soul as Satan entered into him. So what does that mean actually, that Satan entered into him? We know that people can be indwelt or possessed by demons or unclean spirits, but this is Satan himself. Satan can only be in one place at one time. He's not like God. He's not omnipresent. So what must it mean to have the personification of evil, the father of lies, the great deceiver, the enemy of God, the source of all evil and disease and death, entering into the soul of one individual person. It's a fearsome, frightening thing. He took control of Judas at this point. Now, that doesn't absolve Judas of responsibility, because this moment... When he refused Christ's offer, symbolic offer of friendship in the morsel, the sop that was offered to him. That moment is the culmination of years of Judas resisting Christ. Of Judas resenting and despising and and failing to believe in Christ. It's like Pharaoh in the Old Testament who continually hardened his heart until finally it said... That God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Or it's like Romans chapter 1. Where God gives sinful people over to the lusts of their heart. He takes his merciful hand of restraint off from their lives. And abandons them to where they want to go. It's a very chilling thing. And that is what is happening here. Satan had tried to destroy Christ right from the point of the Incarnation. From the slaughter of the innocents, to the temptation in the wilderness, to the mountain in Nazareth, to the storm on the lake. And now, in this moment, he finds a compliant individual whose soul he can enter and control to bring about the crucifixion, and he thinks the destruction of the Messiah. The tragedy is this: that Judas himself, just in a few short hours, himself would be destroyed by Satan. After betraying the Savior with a kiss in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then recognizing what he had done, he's he's full of remorse, not 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 repentance, and there's a big difference. Um, But what he does is this he goes to the priests and he says I have sinned I have betrayed the innocent blood and he throws those 30 pieces of silver clattering on the floor of the temple and in despair he goes out and he hangs himself. And uh, the book of Acts chapter 1 describes his horrible ghastly uh, final moments as The branch of the tree or the rope that he hangs himself on breaks and he he falls down and his, his body splits open and the field of blood is bought in his name. But more terrible than this is the epitaph of the apostles which says that he went to his own place. The lake of fire, the place of the damned, the lost, Uh, the lake that is prepared for the devil and his angels but where all who are Christ rejectors will one day find themselves and Christ himself said about Judas in Matthew 26 better for that man if he had never been born such is the awfulness of his eternal condition. Now in closing all of us who've read the Bible or heard the gospel explained find ourselves uh, in a position of enormous privilege just like judas was listening to Christ's teaching seeing his kindness watching his miracles are we prepared to sell out christ and reject him for whatever paltry alternative this world may have to offer us the reason the gospel is such a serious thing is because of the consequences of rejecting it. The life of Judas, it stands as a warning to all of us about the dangers of spiritual hypocrisy, of betraying Christ, and about the darkness of eternal condemnation. But today, there is a sop, if you like. There is that token of friendship There is that symbol of Christ's love that is being handed to us, held out to us today for us to take it, for us to respond to his love and not to walk away in case we also find that it is night for us. Shall we pray? Lord, we think of this solemn passage, this awful incident and the terrible nature of this man who made the decision to betray Christ and so Lord help us to take its warnings and to learn from it and to see our privileges in being able to hear the gospel and respond to the love of Christ and we pray that for all of us that will be something that from our heart wholeheartedly we will genuinely do we commit each one to you and pray that the gospel of Christ Christ himself might find a welcome place in our hearts as we pray in his name. Amen.